When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another edition of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. And Corey, the NCAA, after we talk about how they can fix the game, or is attempting to fix the game. Now, of course, it's not really the important stuff that we're really that they're regulating. In fact, it's conference championship games. Do you want to let's talk about that to start out here on this podcast, Corey? I think this could be really interesting, Jared. And uh, with this, within the last few days, the NCAA, uh, some proposals have come up about the NCAA changing rules for how conferences go about determining who plays in their championship games. So clearly, if you have two divisions, you're the winner of one division plays the winner of the other division. And, and so you have a conference championship game. Now, first and foremost, we need to point out there will be conference championship games. Why? Well, why do you think, Jared? What's the one-word answer for why there will be conference championship games? Money. Money. They create a ton of money. So, but what's fascinating about this, you know, possibility with the NCAA is now these leagues can determine who plays in their championship game any way they want. So the general feeling here, folks, is that this is going to lead conferences away from division formats. If you have a division format, your winners of the division go to your championship game. That's one thing. But now these leagues by, and, and this is key. This could be, this could start by next year. It won't be in the case this year. There are still big 10 divisions in 2022, but we could conceivably see the end of divisions in the big 10 starting with 2023. And so what we're going to discuss today is how this could benefit Penn State, how this could hurt Penn State, and just the impact on, on all of college football. Because I think it's a fascinating discussion, Jared. Yeah, it is, because now I think this opens up. It keeps those natural rivalries, right? You're wor- the Big Ten is always worried about protecting Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Michigan, and Penn State, Ohio State, and, and games like that. So this gives them the opportunity where you don't have to mess around with that. You, you know – who you're going to play every year. So, you know, for those of you that were worried about the land grant trophy game going away, I, this means it's here to stay. And I think that's huge. It's a prestigious uh, trophy uh, in college football. It's beautiful. <laughs> I, uh, I love how you deadpan with that statement. Like you're speaking about something serious. <laughs> Listen, it, it, 
it looks like a six-year-old super glued different pieces um, <laughs> from um, my from their dad's office or something, and it came out with really a beautiful piece of art. They should put it in the Louvre. How dare you? How dare you make fun of the late George Perlis? He he loved that trophy. <laughs> hey, I'm not making fun of him. I'm making fun of the trophy. Yeah. But again, you you keep those trophy games like so. Paul Bunyan's axe is that game's always going to stay now. So that's what you get out of that. But also, hey, if you take the two best records, that should be a really good game. You're not going to get say Ohio State's undefeated, and then in the Big Ten West, um, Wisconsin's got three or four losses. So now you're getting, I think, what could be a more competitive conference championship game too. And it's not just the Big Ten. That's throughout the country as well. The number one thing is to try to get as many teams available for the college football playoff as possible. That, that Again, we have to assume this going to 12 teams for the playoff. Any discussion we have about this, and it's not going to go to 12 till I think at least 2025, but it, it will go to 12 eventually, folks. So you can bank on it. There's too much money involved. So any discussion we have on any of this, is predicated on trying to get as many teams into that field of 12 as you can. And if you're the Big Ten, you want to get three teams in the top 12. That's that's what you want to do. You, you, you would think there would always be two teams in the top 12 from the Big Ten, but you want to find a way to get a third. So this is why, you know, Jared, we've been talking for the last, you know, really month, month and a half during the offseason about the haves versus the have-nots in college football. And this is where Penn State benefits and will always benefit from being one of the halves of college football. Now, is Penn State in the top five or six or seven of the halves in college football? No. But are they in that next tier of seven to 15 or 16? Absolutely. And always will be with a 100,000-seat stadium and the TV ratings and all that. So here's, here's the thing. The number one absolute must, no matter what the Big Ten does, this will never, ever change, ever, 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 ever. Ohio State will play Michigan. If you don't have divisions, Ohio State will play Michigan. But you know what number two is, Jared? What, what, if I ask you, if, if Ohio State Michigan is the number one priority for the Big Ten, what do you think the number two priority is? Penn State, Michigan State, Land Grant Trophy. No, it's Penn State, Ohio State. Yeah, right. <laughs> so, that too. So, so, yeah, right. So the, the, the reason that's important is because that game is almost always one of the top 10 highest rated games in TV ratings every year in college football. And that is where all of this discussion from a Penn State standpoint, does this benefit Penn State? Does it hurt Penn State? You know you're going to play Ohio State every single year no matter what, if there's two divisions, no divisions, whatever, you're always going to get Ohio State as one of those games. And that's a game everybody loves. Right. It's, it's always a good – it's more often than not always a good game, even when the teams aren't necessarily the greatest. I mean, Penn State had every chance to, to play well that game um, or to play well against them this year, and Joey Porter Jr. just got flat-out exposed. Every year, um, Jared. Every year. Right. Even, even when Ohio State is considered a lot better – Penn State gives them a game. Right. It's always a good game. It's very, it's, it, I can't remember the last time it's been at noon. It's either a 4 p.m. kick or a set or an 8 p.m. kick. And 
you know, it's everything you want from, you know, the block six to Saquon returning that touchdown um, to start the game a couple of years ago. It, it's got everything you want in a rivalry game. Plus it still maintains the relationships between Pitt or between Penn state and Michigan state. And again, our prestigious, a trophy uh, and Michigan and Penn state and or, I'm sorry, Michigan and Ohio state um, for that last game of the season. And I think that's, that's what you want. You want those rivalry games because that's what college is all about. You can talk about the money, all the, all you want, but there is pride, there is tradition and there are, and there's history in these divisions and in these um, in these conferences. And here's more good news for Penn State. Okay, you can lose to Ohio State and still make the conference championship game. That would still be on the table. Mm-hmm. And, and that that to me, now again, if we're talking about finishing in the top twelve, we've discussed on this podcast. I've written about it. Penn State, if they never beat Ohio State ever again, if Ohio State beats Penn State 400 times in a row, Penn State can still finish in the top 12. Mm-hmm. You don't, they don't have to beat Ohio State to finish in the top 12 and make the playoff. But they have to beat Ohio State, you would think, to get into the Big Ten championship game. Okay, But theoretically, now you're talking about if there's no divisions, even if Penn State loses to Ohio State, they could still get into the Big Ten championship game, depending on how things work out with the Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa, obviously. But it, the way it stands, if Penn State's in the Big Ten East with Ohio State, if you lose to Ohio State and you both finish with one loss, say, and Ohio State beats you, they got the tiebreaker, well, now Penn State's got not going to the Big Ten championship game. So this would be a particular benefit for Penn State if – and look, folks, I'm not sure – I'm not going to blow smoke up anybody's but Ohio State has a better football program than Penn State. It has for a long time. It may continue to have for a long time. But mm-hmm. the point is, if you don't have to beat Ohio State – but you can still get to the Big Ten championship game where maybe you get a rematch with Ohio State, Jared. Hey, that's a plus for Penn State. Yeah, I think that's huge. Um, and, and how could you not like it for Penn State? Uh, and I think that's, you know, one of those situations where this benefits everybody. Because of that, uh, you get those rivalry games, but you also get the chance to get revenge if you're able to. You know, it, there's going to be options. There are going to be years where the Big Ten East, or what was formerly known as the Big Ten East, they would they were far and away the best the best teams in the conference, and yet Ohio State or whoever still had to play Northwestern or teams like that that really weren't as good as or better than anybody any team in the East. Yeah, and I'll I'll even throw one more potential benefit here. Say Ohio State's great. They're number one, two, three in the country, whatever. And if Ohio State beats Penn State in the regular season, and that's Penn State's only loss in the regular season, now you play them in the conference championship game. Say you lose to them again. You can still finish in the top 12. You see what I'm getting at? If, if Ohio, now, if Ohio State's ranked 14th and you lose to them twice, that's different. But in fact, thinking this through, Jared, there could even be a scenario where Penn State loses a third game. But if two of the losses were, say, to, say you lose a non-conference game to, to Auburn, okay, just throwing out theoretical. Say you lose a non-conference game to Auburn. Then you lose to Ohio State in the regular season, but you get to the Big Ten championship game, and you mm-hmm. lose to Ohio State again. 
who can still finish in the top 12. So again, that is, now given the way the math works, that could maybe still happen even if, you know, there were two divisions in the Big Ten. But if you think all these things through, it could be really cool because not only might Penn State end up with a better schedule in a lot of years than being locked into the Big Ten East, now, again, depending on how things go against Ohio State, Penn State could still have every possible avenue to get into a playoff. Right. And at the end of the day, that's exactly what Penn State wants and needs to, you know, take that step to elite. Well, yeah, yeah. And you just get to a playoff. But here's the one thing, because Jared was joking about the land grant. There, there is no question. If there, are, if there are no more divisions in the Big Ten in the future, Penn State will play Ohio State, bar none. There is no way the league would give away that level of a marquee game. Penn State's mm-hmm. second crossover game that would be protected would be Michigan State. That, that, that is, that, that's a bone for Michigan State. It's not like Penn State fans love Michigan State or love the Land-Grant Trophy. They love the Land-Grant Trophy. But it's huge for Michigan State. Because another another protected game that will always happen is Michigan, Michigan State. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the league would protect Penn State, Michigan State, and that's a second game. But here's the thing that Jared, what would the third protected Penn State? Would there be a third? Okay. If you're always going to play Ohio State and you're always going to play Michigan State, one potential downfall to this is Penn State would not play Michigan every year. That would not be the case. If there and 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 that's okay if if you already got the gauntlet of Ohio State and Michigan State. So that could maybe help you if you don't have to play Michigan as well. But that would not be the, – the, 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 a third protected potential game would probably be Maryland, you would think. Maybe Rutgers, for God's sake, although that wouldn't benefit anybody. That wouldn't, that wouldn't please anybody, although it would be an easy win maybe for Penn State every year. But I would think – Penn State Maryland would probably be maybe that third protected kind of game. Well, Corey, we have three segments this week. So let's talk about how Penn State's schedule could line up when they go to this format or if they go to this format. And the next segment, when we come back here after a few short messages on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the second segment of the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. We're talking scheduling. We don't have access to what the Big Ten does or the NCAA does or or anything like that, but we're making our dream schedule if there were no divisions. Now, listen, Penn State and, and the Big Ten have had a long, long history of wonderful division names since teams like Maryland and Rutgers joined the group like letter leaders and legends. And I mean, obviously when you take division names out of it, it's a shame, but at the same time, you know, RIP to those division names, but we talked about Penn state, Michigan. I don't think that that's going to be, I think that's going to end up being either a once every two years or once every four years Mm -hmm. kind of thing. 
obviously, again, Land Grant Trophy. That's not going anywhere. Um, OSU, not going anywhere. So they're playing seven or eight conference games in this in this situation, Corey. What well, do you think playing that's, here? that's that's another part of this, Jared, that uh, I, I do think it'll stay at nine. And what happens is, you know, the Big Ten just feasts upon itself. The, the SEC plays eight. Other conferences might play nine. And, and, and again, I, I, I don't know if the Big Ten will uh, address that because the, the, the most important thing the Big Ten needs to focus on is how do you get as many teams into the playoff as possible? Could you even get a fourth team in there? Mm-hmm. Sometimes, and so if you only play eight games, I, I personally, Jared, would like to see the Big Ten go to eight games, just simply because the the league just beats up on itself with that extra ninth game, and that's something that the SEC does not do, and that is clearly a benefit for the SEC. Well, yeah, it helps when the SEC plays teams like St. Francis in the next to last. Oh, it's not St. Francis, but I. <laughs> It's it's pretty comparable as far as who they're playing. Um, but all right, so let's roll with an eight-game eight schedule. We already have the first two. We have Ohio State and Michigan State. Personally, I would like to see them play Minnesota more. I would like to see that. Um, I would like to see that game just because I like wow. James Franklin and P.J. Fleck. Hmm, that's an that's interesting. I, I don't know how long PJ Flex is going to be there. He has done a good job, but I, I think if he keeps doing well, he might. That's that's really intriguing, Jared. I did not think of that. I, I'm curious. You're, you're what do you like about the Gophers? Well, they're different. We don't ever see them, right? It's you know, it's just one of it's just one of those things. And again, it's another trophy game. They play for the Governor's Victory Bell, um, and. Like I said, you just don't ever see them play very much anymore. And I think it's uh, something cool. You get to obviously get to be in Minnesota in the fall or the winter. And that's, you know, always an exciting experience. Um, And again, it's more so just because it's different for me. And again, you keep that trophy game in there because if I'm, I'm going back to like when I had, when I had a team on NCAA college football, and they bring up all these rivalry games. Well, I want to keep those intact, all those trophy games intact, because guess what? In those years that you're probably not going to qualify for the college football playoff, the pride and tradition of those trophy games, I think, is important too. add to the trophy case, even in a year where the national titles game is probably not in the question. Just so everybody is clear, Jerry and I don't necessarily – uh, break down what we're going to say on the podcast. So when Jared said Minnesota, my ears kind of perked up because I love Minneapolis. I've been there about four times, and and I that is not a game that I thought of right away. Uh, I, I'll backtrack a little and say, you know, Penn State is has to play Rutgers in Maryland because of the divisions, and I don't care about either one of those games at all. So we're doing our dream scenario. I don't want to play Rutgers. I don't want to see Rutgers ever again, to be honest with you. Um, but Penn State is probably going to play Maryland a lot. And, and the reason they put Rutgers and Maryland out here was theoretically, you can't, people can't see this, but I'm doing the quote unquote, you know, regional game. Those were supposed to be regional rivals somewhat for Penn State. Um, but I don't want to see Rutgers or Maryland really ever. Uh, but they will continue to play Maryland. But that Minnesota choice, Jerry, that's, that's really intriguing because they have played good games with Minnesota. Uh, the, it, it cannot go without saying how huge 
huge the second half was against Minnesota in 2016. That get we're going to talk about favorite memories here in a minute uh, of the 20th century. So that's our third segment, folks. Um, and and the Ohio State game in 2016 was it will be part of that discussion. But Minnesota was huge. I, I, Jared, that's that's really intriguing to me because I, I do think that's a cool matchup. Um, and I, I had not thought of that until you actually said the Gophers. That's what I'm here for, Corey. I'm always here for a curveball every once in a while, like a, I like it, like a Michael Burrows. You know, that's a little cross reference to the minor leagues here. But again, I, it's different, right? Nobody thinks anybody about else? Minnesota. Is there anybody? Because I got two good ones that I would love to see, but I'm curious if you got any other intriguing little things up your sleeve here. Uh, no, Corey, I'm going to let you steal the thunder here. <laughs> well, first, I, I think the Penn State Iowa, I think that's a terrific rivalry. I really do. In the Steelers jerseys. Yeah, they do look like the Steelers. Iowa makes. Well, they're based. Hot. You know, they're based off of that. Yeah, they're, they're they based got, off the Steelers jerseys and the, the pink locker room. Yeah, pink locker room. I love the pink locker room. I think yeah. that's great because uh, uh, we talk about the mental game of sports, mm-hmm. and when you're thinking more so about the locker room, and it's just one of those things. It's it's great. There are some years where Iowa makes my eyes bleed, and where I look at Kirk Ferentz and I'm like. No way on God's green earth would I ever want you to coach my favorite team because the style of football they play would make me hate football. Honestly, I'm not kidding. I'm being completely serious about this. I have great respect for what Kirk Ferentz has done. They don't have the recruiting advantages of Penn State, Ohio State, Michigan. They don't have that. They got to be – Iowa is what they are, okay? They're going to be a ground and pound, smash mouth, run the football kind of program. That's not the kind of football I want to watch. Six to four. Kirk Ferris, I think if he could win every game six to four for the rest of his career, he'd be perfectly fine with it. And 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 I would stop watching football if my favorite team were Iowa. I'm not, again, I'm not trying to be mean to Iowa. They just don't play a brand of football I enjoy watching. However, they have given Penn State fits. I was there in 08 when they beat Penn State, knocked them from undefeated. We've seen some other big Penn State Iowa games. Trace McSorley scoring on the last play, uh, throwing the touchdown on the last play. That has been a terrific rivalry, and I think I, I would love to see as much as possible Penn State continue to play Iowa. If there were no divisions, it wouldn't be an every year thing, Jared. But I, I'd still like to see Iowa at least every other year. Right, I, I think that's fair. Again, it's a good matchup. It's going to help both teams, both programs. And, you know, you have history and tradition in that game, too. I mean, what Penn State and Iowa have done against each other. Um, also, you know, the Iowa wave is is a new tradition in college mm-hmm. football. I think that's one of the best. And then you also have, you know, Penn State's whiteout. And there's just so much there from the stadium aspect. So I have Iowa in my eight as well. Um, I because how could you not? I think that's a great college football matchup, no matter uh, what the teams are. And and if they go the no division route, Penn State would probably play Michigan at least every two to three years. But the one other one I think would be really cool would be Nebraska. There's this there's this saying in sports where like college football is better if so and so is good. Major League Baseball is better if the Yankees and Red Sox are good. Hockey is better if, I don't know, the Penguins and the Canadians are good. I would say say in college football, Jared, 
And I'm not sure we're ever going to see this again, honestly. I do think college football is better when Nebraska is good. I grew up with Nebraska being one of the great programs in this country's history with Tom Osborne. And Penn State fans can lament 1994 and, and gripe about the national title that year, and that will happen forever. I'm not certain Nebraska can possibly get back to anything close to what Nebraska was in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s. I just think the sport has changed so much. National recruiting. Nebraska did all that with its running game and, 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 and you know, a lot of, you know, the, the home-fed, homegrown uh, offensive linemen and, and, and player. But I will say this. Penn State, Nebraska – represents tremendous, tremendous tradition in college football. I would not be opposed to Penn State plays Nebraska every two years or so, just because I think there is so much history and tradition with both of those teams and programs. And again, it'll always give us something to talk about, you know, like going back and comparing the 94 teams or what have you. Right. And I think that, you know, again, history, college football will always be predicated on history and tradition. Mm -hmm. And those are two of the most historic franchises. They played one of the arguably the most important game in Penn State history. After Paterno gets fired, they're embrace at midfield. Yeah. Um, after all that happened, that was one of the most poignant moments in college football history. Hey, Jared, let me ask you a question. I'm not sure where, where were you when you went for that game. Were you watching at home? Or were you in the stands? I was. A, I was actually at. I was on campus. My buddy and I um, had gone to Penn state um, for that weekend. And we were walking through the bookstore um, at Penn state before the game. Then we watched it at a restaurant uh, in downtown, but <laughs> this is going to be a cruel sense of, of irony or coincidence or however you want to spin it, but we're in, and I still have the picture on my phone. We're in the bookstore, the Penn state bookstore, and we're in the humor section. So there are books like, I hope they serve beer in hell and, joke books and everything like that. And somebody had, um, or, and there was a, a title about all oh, assholes go to hell or, or, or something by Tucker Max. And, and there is the, and of all books that Jerry Sandusky's autobiography is sitting there in the humor section and the title of that book, for those of you that don't know that Jerry <laughs> Sandusky wrote a book, it's called touched. Yeah. And <laughs> it was just, yeah, completely bizarre and just one of those kind of out of world experiences. And you um, remember seeing that going into the Nebraska game in twelve? Yes, yeah, because uh, we were up there for 11, that. 11, and it was the most. 11, yeah. It was the most bizarre atmosphere. It was so quiet. It wasn't a subdued. It was just. Let me ask you it this: It wasn't a Penn right? State football game, as far as the atmosphere was concerned. You, you man enough to admit this? Did did, did you cry? Did I cry? Mm -hmm. I cried from laughing from seeing where that was. Um, I cried. But, I, I managed but, to but, admit, the, but in the midfield they, thing, yes, that yeah. was that was very emotional. When when they met at midfield and all the prayer, I remember. I remember tearing up. It was that was emotional. That was an. Uh, I don't like going back to that time frame with with the scandal and everything. But I think any Penn State fan, if you if you remember how that all played out, that was really really powerful and I, I do remember crying so i will admit it i will admit it i cried jared 
Jared's admitting he cried, I think, a little. No, you said emotional. See, uh, emotional. It was emotional. Everybody says emotion. Did you cry or not? Did you, I did I'm not, not cry. Oh, come on. Come on. I did not. Uh, I cried. I will admit it. I, I got emotional and I teared up a little bit. So, uh, anyway, so th- those would be my two that I would love to keep on the schedule. What, Indiana, Purdue, Northwestern, all the, I, I, I guess. I really don't care about any of those. I just I don't want to see Rutgers anymore. I'd like to see more Iowa and Nebraska, but no matter what happens with the divisions, Jared, th- there are more pros than cons. Oh, without a doubt. For Penn State, if there were no divisions. Now, maybe other teams in the Big Ten, maybe there would be more cons than pros. I don't know. I don't not I don't really care to go through each each school and would be better for them or not. Right. But for Penn, for Penn State, I do think there would probably be more pros than cons if there were no divisions. Right. And I think, you know, my next two, as far as who they are, I, I would go with Northwestern and Wisconsin. Again, Penn State and Northwestern are known a lot for their the way that they handle their student athletes. And what, um, what Northwestern has done in, in short time and what they're doing moving forward, their program and their facilities are a huge upgrade um, from what, what they've been uh, previously, but I always have liked Penn state playing Northwestern. I think that's a fun matchup to watch and enjoy And Wisconsin, man, they have the best fight song in, in college football on Wisconsin. And I say that mainly because that's our alma or that's our fight song here in Altoona. It's on Altoona. But again, we talk about history. We talk about, you know, I, it's, it's a fun game to watch and that's, it's usually played pretty damn well. And and you can't beat that for, for good football games. So, you know, you have those. But I think between the bottom four, not necessarily the bottom four teams, but I think you have to – you can't play Rutgers every year. You can't play Maryland every year. But what I would do in that instance is I'm playing them every other year. So maybe one year I'm at Maryland. Next year I'm, I'm hosting Rutgers. And just alternate like that. And I would like to do that too with Purdue and Indiana. And I think that's a fair – um, fair look at the schedule. Yeah, it's got to um, be fair. See, that's the thing. I'll close with this, and if you have a, a final thought as well. And you can what, even probably do that with Iowa and Michigan. What, what you can't do, and this is where, on a year-by-year basis, this could be a negative for Penn State. Again, lots of things. Penn State played in the Big Ten East last year and played Wisconsin as well. So, But what you don't really want, you don't want a year where you're, you're always going to play Ohio State, you're always going to play Michigan State, you don't want a year where you're also playing Michigan and also playing Wisconsin mm-hmm. and also playing Iowa. Right. That's, that's not good for anybody. Right. That's not good for Penn State because you do want some level of balance if you, because Penn State is always, always, always going to play the best program in the league in Ohio State. So mm-hmm. when you start with that, and then you're always going to play the fourth or fifth best program in the league in Michigan State, so you do need a level of balance there. You wouldn't want to play Michigan and Wisconsin in the same year. Maybe you have Michigan one year, Wisconsin the next year. But that that would be something, if there were a negative or a con with all this, Penn State fans would not want to have a scenario where they, they're just a juggernaut schedule of all the best teams in a given year. Right. You don't want what you've got in the Big Ten East anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, as long as they can stay away from that, and as long as it's balanced, I think that's a that's really really good moving forward um, for Penn State and the Big Ten. 
We're going to do memories next in our next segment. I'm looking forward to this. We're going to talk about our favorite memories of from Penn State football this century. Right. So let's take a, one final break, and we'll talk to you here on the flip side on the We Are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. Welcome back to the third and final segment of the We Are Podcast on the DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcasting Network. He's Corey Geiger. I'm Jared Prugar. And we have been around Penn State football in some sort of capacity for, well, for me, for the better part of, well, let's say about the last 20 years. I was probably about 10 or 11 when I really got into college football. And, and Corey's been around covering college football really for a long time. And and I what's interesting about this is, I like talking to Penn State fans about their favorite memories. So Jared and I, we did kind of, you know, pre-communicate about this to make sure we do cover some of these. My favorite memory of Penn State football this century, again, we're talking the 21st century since 2000, um, was the kick six. The didn't happen. I didn't see it happen. Did You didn't see it? I was in the elevator. I was going in the down? elevator going down to the media room to go onto the field like I do – with oh. like six or seven minutes every game. Man, that, uh, I'll, I'll tell and, you, that sucks. I, I got on, I, I left the press box because he was money from inside 40. Well, let's, let me, let, let's, let's explain what Jared's talking about here. Cause we can't always assume that fans know what we're talking about in the media. We get to go down to the field. We're in the press box for the whole game. We get to go down to the field to watch the final five minutes of the game and you can you we can actually go down on the sideline and be around the players it's really cool so you're saying during that time you were going down to the press box down going down to the field yes yeah i saw him i saw them line up for the field goal i did not see the field goal happen i was getting on the elevator elevator fever stadium is uh is a wonderful place only takes 20 minutes to get down yeah um not nearly as bad as when the elevator was broke this year and i white knuckled it down the catwalk and all the stairs being incredibly afraid of heights for some ungodly reason. Uh, and I get down and I get off the elevator and I hear screaming and I'm like, Oh, must've missed it. And then I <laughs> saw that Penn state was winning and I'm like, Oh, Whoa, Unbel- yeah, I missed yeah. the biggest play in Penn state history. Yeah, that's it. Let me, let me, I, I want to expand on what you just said there. I do believe and I'm not sure if you you know thought this through when you said it. I do believe it is the single biggest play in Penn State history. Oh, without a doubt. It's not, it didn't win a national championship. That there have been plays that have led to national championship. I did a story on this in a survey at Giftopolis's interception against Miami to seal the Fiesta Bowl in 87. There are Penn State fans out there that will say that was the biggest play in Penn State history. Well, I don't know. I mean, they intercepted Vinny. That was the fifth interception. That it was fourth down. They that preserved the game. But there's no saying that Miami scores a touchdown there anyway in the 14 to 10 Fiesta Bowl. So, but but look, anybody that wants to say that was the single biggest play, fine with Giftopolis. To me, what happened in 2016 with the kick six with Marcus Allen's block and Grant Haley with the return, 
brought Penn State football back mm-hmm. from the dead. And yes, they did win a national title in 82. They won a national title in 86. They've had all these undefeated seasons, unbelievable history and tradition with Joe Paterno and everything. But there was a chance, there was a feeling that after 2011, after the scandal, Penn State football was going to be mediocre to bad for a really long time. I don't think any of us who knew what was still in the program from a player standpoint ever felt that the bottom was just going to collapse, you know, like maybe some around the country. There were still good players there in 2012. But 2016, until that Ohio State game, to me, I think it was the biggest play in Penn State football history because what happened afterward as well, they go on to win the Big Ten, go to the Rose Bowl and everything. But for my favorite memory for for this century for Penn State football, to me, it starts and ends there. Jared's got a couple good ones he's going to mention as well. But not only in terms of, just how freaking unbelievable it was because Penn State's offense was doing nothing against Ohio State. He had to outrun a punter. If Grant Haley gets tackled at the seven, I don't think Penn State scores a touchdown. I, I don't. I think Ohio State stops them. But that play and, and Beaver Stadium just exploding was, was unbelievable, really. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. Um, and it's just the just the amount of meaning and what that did to show that Penn State football was back and could compete at a national level, and not only just compete at a national level, but win at the national level again against a team ranked like Ohio State. Um, my my top memory as a fan, um, because I grew up watching Penn State football. We mentioned Penn State Minnesota. My one of my favorite memories was Michael Robinson just destroying um, literally uh, Minnesota's cornerback. That was by far the most intense hit I've ever heard on TV um, or anything like that. But as a fan, um, was my first Penn State game. We were underneath the ble- uh, the scoreboard in um, in the what would be the south end zone. Uh, the one that we're where you're viewing mountain and you're viewing the student section at that point in time, it was only a student section whiteout and Penn state was playing juice Williams of Illinois and all the jokes around it were um, about juice, no pulp or whatever. And, you know, it was just such a cool experience. It was my first whiteout. I was in high school. We had just talked in physics about why the stadium shakes during zombie nation and to see that in person is number one scary. Cause you're up top, you're high up above the ground there in the end zone and under the scoreboard. And it's just shaking back and forth and, and it's cool. And, and we, we experienced that in the press box where it shakes whenever the, the crowd goes wild, but it was just, um, it was just a really, really cool experience. Um, and and I, I loved that. Now, as a, as a journalist, um, that would have been 2008 that I was there. But as a journalist, the Rose Bowl, Chris Godwin, Saquon Barkley, that was my favorite one to cover because, obviously, that's the granddaddy of them all. It doesn't get much better than that. We were both out there, and even though Penn State lost that game, you want to talk about one of the greatest college football games ever. Now, it wasn't for a national championship, but the way that game went back and forth, uh, I mean, I, it was incredible. Penn State would get the ball, long touchdown, long touchdown, long touchdown. Saquon, phenomenal run. 
uh jared and i did have a good time in la didn't we play top golf that, that yes that, that, that trip out there top golf with alex Cawley from wtaj at the time uh-huh. jamie baker um it good was a folks. blast we and, had a blast yep and those media trips or those bull trips are, are fun because you get to hang out and get to kind of put yourself away from the writing you get your writing done earlier in the day because you, you get to there. eat and drink a bunch of free stuff is what we get to do <laughs> and it's great. It makes it all worth it. It makes the long hours covering eight o'clock games at Beaver Stadium hey, where we're not getting home until 3 a.m. worth it. Let me tell the real quick story because we got the, they they put us up at Top Golf. So we the media all got to play a free round of Top Golf out there in LA, which was phenomenal. And I love Mexican food and tacos. I love red wine. I'll always remember Jared. Man, I ate so many frigging fajitas <laughs> that that night at Top Golf because it was the free media food. And I had literally a full bottle at least of red wine myself. Uh, all, all, all we, we had taxis and everything, so don't worry, I wasn't driving. But I would <laughs> see, we can sit here and talk about oh, Saquon's run, Chris Godwin, and Trace McSorley, and what a great game. <laughs> but if you ask a lot of people in the media, they'll remember the trip. Uh, they'll, they'll remember Jared and I both, we'll, we'll remember the various aspects of the trip. Right, and and it's like that everywhere. I mean, in, in Arizona was a lot of fun too, um, for the Fiesta Bowl, and you know the first game that I ever covered was the Tax Slayer Bowl, um, in Jacksonville. I watched a NASCAR car get driven onto the field, uh, by Dale Earnhardt Jr., which is wild. Sweet. Um, you know, I was really hoping for the Pinstripe Bowl this year, just solely for the fact that, um, I am a Yankees fan. Uh, that's, that would have been cool, but these, the bull trips are, are a blast. You know, you get to spend time with people that, <laughs> you know, you see in a professional light, you sit beside them in the press box, but it, you get to know them on a personal level. And that, and that helps because, you know, knowing people and doing those, doing those things, um, you know, makes everybody better. In my opinion, I'm going to close the podcast. Uh, Penn state fans that love, love following all aspects have, have probably heard this story from the media at some point. But this is the worst Penn State memory uh, for a lot of people. It was the 2008 Rose Bowl. We in the media, we were at this phenomenal hotel. They had this unbelievable media room. We got to play pool and all this stuff all night long, every, every night, free food and drink. But the night before the Rose Bowl against USC, this was the Mark Sanchez Rose Bowl with, with Daryl Clark. Um, we all, a lot of us in the media got food poisoning it, or there, there was a contempt that we think that was contaminated water in the ice in the media room the night before the Rose Bowl for the 2008 season. So the legendary story among the Penn State media, whether people care about us in the Penn State media, you're probably thinking, ah, I hate you guys in the media anyway, to hell with you. But there were a whole bunch of us throwing up all night long, all morning long, into the stadium at the Rose Bowl, I threw up five times, um, including after, after the first quarter in the bathroom at the Rose Bowl. Nick Foley, who was from WTAJ TV in Altoona, he, could, he didn't even make it to the game because he was so sick. Mark Woganridge, who's with Sports Hills right now, his wife, Beth Hudson, I believe, didn't make it to the game. Imagine getting sent on a, on a, on a, a media trip to go cover a game 2,500 miles away and you get so sick from food poisoning that you can't even go. That was the legendary uh, 2008 Rose Bowl, Jared. It, it's, it's legendary among the Penn State media because that 
that day was absolutely miserable. Well, and it's funny that you mentioned the contaminated ice because if you've and you've been we've been on trips together, I I very rarely if we go out to eat, uh, especially at a fast food restaurant, I very rarely get ice. Like, and I know you see me at Beaver Stadium, my cup never has ice in it. And I've always been like, not, not because of what happened then. That's just how I am. I, I like my drinks without ice. So it's, it's very weird that. Um, you, then you, then you might've avoided the food poisoning if you had been there back there for hey, survival of the fittest, Corey. Good and Lord. Speaking of survival of the fittest, we appreciate you guys for listening to us here on the, we are podcast on the DK Pittsburgh sports podcast network comment. Let us know what your favorite Penn State football memories are. Maybe a favorite story of Corey's or mine. I'd like to also see in the comments, who would you like to see Penn State play? Jared's had a good one with Minnesota. That was really offbeat a little. Comment in here. I'd like to see what what opponents Penn State fans would really like to see. Yeah, absolutely. Tell us who you want to see. Non-conference, in-conference, get out of a conference. (laughs) But we'll talk to you again next week on the We Are Podcast, the DK Pittsburgh Sports podcasting network.